Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. The BMW i4 M50. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. Experience the power of over 500 horses stampeding at a whisper as BMW M-engineered handling takes you through every twist and turn. The complete suite of intuitive technology keeps you connected. The pure performance keeps your heart racing. The BMW i4 M50. Silence has never said so much. BMW, the ultimate electric driving machine. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of iHeartRadio and Shondaland Audio. Hello, everybody. Katie Lowe's here. I am your host of Katie's Crib, and welcome to season three. Wow! I imagine all this screaming going on in my head. It might only be in my head, or it's my son who's asleep in his nursery on the other side of the wall of the closet that I'm currently recording in. Okay, I first of all need to welcome back all of you awesome returning listeners. I also want to welcome all of you new listeners. Thank you all so much for tuning in. So you guys know I started Katie's Crib two and a half years ago. I got knocked up on the last season of Scandal. And Shonda was like, wow, you should have a podcast. And I was like, that would be amazing. And here we are two and a half years later. My son is a full-blown toddler. Um, I knew nothing when I started. I felt very alone. And Katie's Crib has proven to be the most wonderful mom village community I could have ever asked for. I learned so much from you guys, all of the experts and friends and moms and mother figures we have had on this show. Oh, they're just everything to me. And I'm so honored to be part of this ride with you guys. We are in the middle of a pandemic and we are launching Katie's Crib Season 3. What an opportunity to come together and feel less alone and help each other to get through this, help each other be moms and parents during this whole thing. And I thought, 
There is no better guest in the world to talk to right now to kick off season three than my friend America Ferreira. I mean, come on. You guys know her from shows like Ugly Betty, Superstore. She's um, an executive producer and directs the bilingual dramedy Hentified on Netflix. She fights for social justice through her organization Harness. She is a freaking superwoman. And America made time to talk to you guys and to me five days before she gave birth to her second child. So she's perfect. She's the best guest season opener. I'm very, very excited to bring you this episode. I'm so lucky to call her a friend and be able to pick her brain today. You guys, please welcome our first guest for season three of Katie's Crib, America Ferreira. Welcome to Katie's Crib, America Ferreira. Thank you so much for being on. You have been listening to podcasts I saw on your Instagram, like I think, (laughs) because during quarantine time, like it's sort of it's very I feel very excited to have Katie's crib because I I think we're all feeling very isolated right now. And podcasts are a really great way to keep people together. Yeah. But first and foremost, congrats on your pregnancy. Thank you. How are you feeling? Is it I'm so curious. People have always said to me, every pregnancy is different. Every labor is different. Blah, blah, blah. Is that true? Like, are you having a completely different experience or is it more similar than different? It's pretty different. I mean, you know, not in like the ways that you expect necessarily. Like, you know, I actually, we, (laughs) this is maybe TMI, but we like. Not, not, no such thing. (laughs) They basically both have the exact same due date which means like if you know if you back up nine months like means we you know we uh, it means you guys are really feeling each other around a certain time of year Yeah, exactly (laughs) we're consistent so it was so weird because i was like i had this thought of like oh my gosh everything's gonna happen exactly the same like it was just a thought and as soon as that thought entered my mind another voice was like Nothing is ever the same. Were you, are you sicker? Ever... Are you sick? Were you more sick, less sick, like more tired, less tired? More well, anxious, like... you see, it was less that stuff. Like I, I was, I was more nauseous sooner, and it the nausea lasted longer, and I was nauseous for more of the day Oof. this time around. So, like Oof. the nausea was just sort of more intense. It did kind of go away at that, like transitioning from first to second trimester it did go away thank god it was it was worse this time than before but by no means like to the extent that i've had friends experience like you know vomiting every day yeah for nine months that seems like how anyone ever gets through that it's like how you know mothers are full-on superheroes because i don't understand how that happens yeah and the exhaustion was more intense but a lot of people are like well you're also like chasing a toddler around so so there's that. Like, you don't just get to, like, lie down every time you're, like, tired and take a nap. I was working and on set, and, like, I'd come home, and every day around, like, you know, I'd usually come home around 4.35 and, like, have a couple hours with Baz and, like, play with him and feed him and put him down for his nap. I mean, I would come home, and before I knew knew I was pregnant, it was like I got hit by a truck at 4.30 every day. And I must have been, I don't know, like two weeks pregnant, three weeks pregnant. I didn't even know, like I hadn't taken a test, but I was like, oh, this is a different kind of fatigue. But part of it is like, you've done it once before. So you kind of know what to look out for. And Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, oh, 
this is familiar. Like I know what this is. And maybe, maybe I was that tired the first time around and I just didn't know what to like attribute it to, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but those things were relatively small. I'm talking more about like global pandemic. Yeah. We need to talk about all of this shit. Like we need to talk about for our moms out there, how I'm so curious because I think like, have you been Again, I just think you're such an inspiring mom. Do you talk to Baz about the the state of the world in which we're in right now? Obviously, he's so young and like yeah. does he even understand? Yeah. You know, he's very young. He's not even two yet. He'll be two in a month-ish. So, no, we're not talking to him about like, you know, the virus and the people being sick. We were sort of advised through his um, like classes to sort of let them know like, everyone's on a break, like it's a break, you know, Mm -hmm. so we keep, and for him, like he's such a social butterfly and he loves everyone who comes in and out of our house. Like, you know, he's super social. I remember the one kid's birthday party I saw him. He was like after it, he was like going good. He was like, like eating, walking around. Like he's very independent, does his thing. Yeah. He like loves watching the gardeners garden the yard every week. He like loves watching the pool man. Like, you know, so every day he's like, pool man coming, gardener coming, you know, uh, and like everyone he's used to seeing, like for the first couple weeks, he would ask almost every day and he'd be like, like music class, wula class, like all these things that he was used to doing. And it was just like heartbreaking to say, everyone's on a break. We'll, we'll, we'll go back soon. Everyone's on a break. And you know, that's as much as I can say over and over I love again. that idea. I haven't said break. That's like a really good yeah. word whoever gave that to you. That's really helpful. Are you, I mean, for me, this is the most time consecutively I've spent with my kid because I went back <laughs> to work and I know you did too. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of freaked out about that transition because he's so happy like he loves that mommy and daddy are around 24 7 and even though he misses his friends and his little classes or he says playground a lot because he's like why can't I go to the playground but how do you feel about whenever this shifts into something else you know I feel like it you know last summer when the world was in a very different place I took four weeks off and we were on like a family summer vacation and it was Mm -hmm four weeks of just us and I saw how how much he grew and developed and and how excited he was to have us around all the time and just like you know what it meant to him to to be with mom and dad and and have us there with him and you know I think that those times when when they can when they're possible are wonderful for for him um, but that's also just like not the reality of every day. And he has a very awesome, rich life on a day-to-day basis. He has an incredible nanny who we love so much and is so attentive to him and mm-hmm. interactive. And he goes to music class and he goes to this class. So it's like his life is so rich that there's no losing for him. It's like he's mm-hmm. either out like enjoying and he's very very active loves running and climbing and being in the park and for now it's it's this and i think we just sort of try to you know milk it for what it is and and have this special time together this because baby number two is coming mm-hmm. basically any day now oh my um, God. unbelievable 
<laughs> Thank you for being on Katie's crib. This is amazing. <laughs> this this was going to be the this time was sort of going to be this for us anyway. Like, oh, that's so interesting. Of, this was you know, sort of your nesting hunger down time anyway, because the baby could have come already. Like it's like. Right. So, you know, it's not so different from how we had planned to spend the summer, you know, other than obviously started seven weeks ago for us. Right. right. And there's less he can do in terms of like, go out and run around at parks and beaches and that type of thing. But, you know, it's a lot because I think it's a lot when you're trying to keep everything else up. Like for now, I'm still on Zooms and on calls and, you know, Mm. some projects in development. And so we're Mm -hmm. still on, you know, moving things forward and, Mm -hmm. and working. I think once I have the privilege of sort of saying I'm now on maternity leave and it's just us, the time of like bringing in baby number two, transitioning, us just having this kind of quiet time as a family, there's, there's sort of like a real silver lining and having like, the global energy support that internal turn of like, we're not missing it. You know, you're not missing anything. Yeah. It's not just you stopping your life. It's like, no, everything has pretty much stopped. Are you struggling at all with anxiety um, about being pregnant during this time? I know we have a lot of listeners who are pregnant during this time and I've been watching endlessly about, you know, there's just not that much studied on it yet. But thankfully, the the smaller caseload that they have, thank God, you know, the majority of mothers and babies and everyone comes out okay, even the moms who have like really struggled with um, coronavirus and given birth. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's the anxiety about the virus itself, which is like, you don't want to get sick. Mm -hmm. You don't want your children to get sick. You don't want a newborn baby to get sick, obviously. I I try to stay away from the news cycle because I think you can drive yourself absolutely insane. Um, The very few times that I like have caught like some sensational story because obviously it's happening. It's not the norm, but like young people are getting sick and like little people are getting sick and little people are suffering. Like I just know like I have to put up my filters because I don't have the emotional capacity to let that in. And I knew, I realized that really early on for me, like, you know, there's information that you need to know to be informed. And, and unfortunately in this day and age, it's like, you have to be able to stop yourself and know like what's healthy for you and what's not. And for me, like I could feel my heart rate and my anxiety and my blood pressure and like everything and go up and also not to be, not being able to close my eyes and go to sleep at night because I'm sitting there with all these news stories, you know, swirling in my head and just realizing early on that like I had to be very disciplined about what I let in. Yep. Um, because it just doesn't serve you, especially in a time where like, you know, you just don't need that added stress when you're pregnant. And I feel so similar. Like I've had to really I really was going down a bad spiral in the first couple of weeks. And I was like, this is I'm not sleeping like I'm making myself ill mentally. Like I just yeah. like was like, this is are you a big meditator or I know you've been in your life. You've had periods of like being 
really physical and and like is yeah. that something that you're finding help with right now with the mental stuff like you know just staying calm and at peace for your baby or are you just like I'm just resting and that's it and I'm not looking at shit and like that's um, what I'm doing. I definitely have my ways of like staying grounded. I mean, I think so there's the anxiety about the virus obviously that you know I think that we're doing all the things, you know, if you're doing all the things to stay socially distanced and clean and and healthy and, you know, safe, like you can't really worry too much about it. You just have to do the things that, that, that are common sense and hope that that, that that's enough. Um, even when I had my first child, childbirth triggers for me some really deep, you know, fears. And, 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 and what I realized the first time around was our culture and our culture around mothering and our kind of consumer culture around preparing women to become mothers, like has very little to do with what you actually, or rather what I actually needed in that time. You know? It is so, I have goosebumps I, right now. That could like, not have been a true statement. I'm just like, I, you know, I would like kill me. Like I, I don't want to like pick out baby clothes and pin the poopy diaper on the donkey like I don't want to do any of that shit like I like some really primal ancestral like fear of dying in childbirth is coming up and like where do I get to talk about that you know I used to wake up Adam in the middle of the night and be like first of all like guys don't know like like I was just like people still fucking die in childbirth and like as of 50 years ago like and that's not happening but like as like 50 years ago like everybody did or whatever and I'm like this is I'm being asked to do something that I am very 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 we're not talking about how afraid I am right now like well that's the thing right like where in the culture does that exist for women to be for their real deeper fears to be seen and and, you know, whether they're physical or or whether they're just about, like, your life shift and your identity yes. shift. And, like, you think, like, oh, you did it one time, but, you know, it's all going to change again. It's like, what does it mean to be a mother to two children? What's that going to do to my relationship with the first one? What's that going to – how's that going to impact my marriage? How's that going to impact my ability to be the person I want to be in the world? And, like, all those things that are there the first time around are slightly different because you've been through it what once before. But – but your world is still going to change and shift in a big way. And so, you know, the first time around, I really had to kind of get in touch with what I needed and then and then find the community to help me get that. And, you know, I, I asked some women very close to me to, like, help me design like a, a ceremony, like a transition ceremony. Like I was oh, like, I don't want a baby amazing. shower. I, I want people to witness and acknowledge like this deep identity shift that I'm going through and transformation. And like, that's what I needed. And I'm so grateful I reached out and it was a little awkward to sort of say to the people in my life, like, this is actually what I want and need and crave right now. So can you guys give me this and they were so happy to and grateful to and in a way was like really nourishing to them because it would have felt so fake for them to be like making your i mean it's really the the baby shower we should i got to do a whole episode on that because it is i was i was so on in a spotlight and i i know i'm an actor but my god i was so uncomfortable like by that you know what i mean by like feeling like i had to say something like i just was like 
I just felt uncomfortable. Like I was just like, whoa, like I'm so sweaty. I've never been this well, sweaty. You know, in my it, life. I hadn't. So I've, I have a friend, a brilliant friend named Priya Parker, who has this book called The Art of Gathering, like how we gather and why it matters. And she's amazing. She has her own podcast, Priya Parker. She's incredible. And, and I didn't really know her well. And we hadn't had these conversations at this time when I was sort of feeling my way through like, what do I actually need? But, you know, she's this master facilitator, peace and conflict resolution moderator. And she talks about like, asking the question of like, what is the purpose of this gathering? Like, all of these events that we do weddings, birthdays, baby showers, like, we do them and almost in this protocol way that really right. has so much more to do with like consumerism and sort of, you know, checking off boxes versus asking the question like, what do I need? And how mm. is this gathering going to fulfill those needs for me? And I feel like that's a question that as you're a mother or becoming a mother or, you know, becoming mother of more children, like you have to be your own best protector of asking that question like, what do I need? And how is this thing serving that need? And once I had my like grounding ceremony with the women that I consider like yeah. my coven, yes. and like I sobbed and cried and, you yes. know, you know, let yes. things go and made space for other things. Then like Ryan and I had like a dance party, like crazy Aww. baby shower. And so there's nothing wrong. The thing is, is like, there's nothing wrong with like cupcakes and poopy diaper games. But it's just not enough for me. Like, right. I don't think that it really addresses the needs of, of what, that, what that emotional landscape is of becoming a mom and having your identity shift that way. And, and so all of, like, I, you know, I did it all once. So I thought, like, great, I have the roadmap. Like, we'll just do that again. Right. And then, you know, a lot was different. When I was around 20 weeks pregnant, you know, they realized my placenta was low lying, you know, so since then it's been like a, is this going to be a C-section situation? Sure, sure, and, sure. And, and so I'd never had a C-section. So that was something brand new of like, oh, okay, this is really going to learn about that. Be different like, or yeah. could be different. And, and, and then I had to, you know, change, you know, things that I had planned on in terms of like, you know, trying to work out through my pregnancy, not intensely, but just like to stay feeling strong. And like that had to go out the window because, you know, I'd been advised to to not overdo it. Oh, yeah. When you have a low lying placenta, if you work out really hard, there can be like bleed. There can be. There, yeah, there's and things a, like that. Right. Yeah. So so like basically every plan that I basically <laughs> every single plan that I made in this pregnancy was just like systematically like out the window. But how great is that? This baby's already doing his job. Like the baby's know, already saying like, oh, you thought you did this before? Oh, you thought no. you knew what you were doing? No, no, no. no. I'm different. Like I'm, this is going to be totally different, mom. So I do take a little bit of pride in the fact that like, even as I had the thought, this is going to be exactly the same. There was another voice that was like, girl, don't you know anything? <laughs> like nothing is ever going to be the same. And I was, and, and that voice was right. So I have a little pride in the fact that I knew the expectation that things would be the same was a ridiculous expectation. Sure. But you still have it. I would have it too. I mean, yeah. like, I, I'm like, I, breastfeeding was like so shitty for me the first time around. And I've been like, oh my God, I got this. Like, yeah. I already climbed that fucking mountain. Like, I'm good to go. And I'm yeah. like, in my, the other side of me is like you was saying, like, 
what's it going to be? Something else is going to bite you in the ass. You just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. But it's well, going to be something else. Like, in quarantine, like a lot of the things I found really helpful towards the end of pregnancy last time, like acupuncture. Um, I had the, this incredible osteopath that I saw once a week <gasps> who made me feel like great. And I had so much energy and I could walk for three hours and feel amazing. Like I can't walk right now. I like can't walk 20 minutes without being like, this is painful and I have to sit down. So all of these things that I'd come to lean on mm. and felt like, okay, I built my support system. Like none mm. of those things are available to me right now. And, and so it really is this deep, like exercise and practice of like, just continually letting go. Like mm. you got to let that go. You got to let that go. You got to let that go. And, and, and really invest a lot more trust in myself and in the fact that like, I can do this, like I can do this. I'm going to be okay. I'm well taken care of. It's not going to look and feel and have all of the amenities and the bits and bobs <laughs> of the first right. time around, but like, this is what it is. And so I have to kind of stay connected to the fact that this this baby is going to come into the world and it's going to be me and this baby and we're going to do it and and we're and we're going to be we're going to have everything we need um and and so that's the meditation. <laughs> yeah, over and which is brilliant. I mean, you sound so oh, I mean but it's it's totally listen there are times like yesterday I was on the phone with my acupuncturist where I was like just show me where to push like <laughs> right. show me where to like press so that the sciatica oh. goes away you know and you know talking about postpartum like did you have any sort of postpartum depression with Baz or were you like immediately in love? Did you or not that that's even the measure, but I mean, like, did you feel did you walk into it like with positivity? Did the did you was it a slow burn? I felt really good after postpartum uh, and I I definitely had some big hormonal shifts and some big hormonal moments and events, but I don't think that I struggled with depression, uh, maybe like the blues every now and then. Sure. But, but I had it pretty great the first time around. You know, I know that every pregnancy can be different, so, so who knows, but, but what I'm saying is like, there is a very deep well of emotion and anxiety that I have tapped into now and then, and it just feels so overwhelming at the moment that I can't let myself dwell there, you know? Mm -hmm. But I know that like, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on right now. And to be pregnant in this moment and to have to be in and out of hospitals and doctor's offices. And yeah, because you're at the end, which means you're in the doctor's office all the time. Yeah. Like they've been, I've in all this stuff I've read there, you know, there are people who, if you're if you're okay and your doctor's recommending it, you can not do every two weeks at the beginning, you know, for safety, precautious reasons. But now that you're at the end, there's no way around that. Like yeah. you're in pandemic and you're going to the doctor all the time. Right. And now <laughs> That's like part of it. my husband can't come with me, you know, to these appointments. Right. And so, you know, I, I am trying to be as grounded and as like put my big girl pants on and just be like, the whole world's dealing with this. You can do this. Like, this is the time your baby chose to come into the world for some reason. So here we go. Right. And but like I said, like there is real there is real anxiety. There's real emotion. There's real fear that feels very like it, like a lot of it would be there anyway. I think it feels amplified and it feels overwhelming to kind of 
go there and access it in this moment. And, you know, I put out like one Instagram post about it like a couple weeks ago. Oh, it was so beautiful. I have it. It was so inspiring. It was like it was it was expecting mothers during the pandemic. And it was just like really it was really lovely. Um, Thank you. I don't know if you can hear my toddler scream. Yeah, I love it. Hi, Baz. <laughs> it's Hi, Baz. You're time. on Katie's it's crib. Well past his nap past time. Past his nap time. Sure. Um, but um, it, the, the, the wave of mothers who respond, like pregnant women yeah. who responded, who are like, it's my first, or I delivered yesterday, or, you know, I had to deliver alone, or, like, I was, yeah, like, I was in that window where the, where my partner wasn't allowed in, I mean, yeah. good lord, I mean, like, I was reading these comments, and, like, sobbing, and just thinking, oh. like, it's a very heightened time to be in this state that already is a heightened place to be yep. in this, and then to be in it with this global event happening, and look, just to be separated from your social network, like, the fact that nobody I love is going to get to meet my baby you know that no you know that no one's gonna be there to like hug me and hold me and like you know oh, I have this amazing God. friend who like the first time around like cooked like she lived in my lives in my building in New York and she like cooked for me for two weeks after Baz came and like you know just all of that stuff of like knowing that you're held and no the village and taken that it takes care of by this yeah. village and being like okay it's just us it's me and Ryan and and our son and we do thank God we're our nanny is quarantining with us, so mm-hmm. so thank she's God. here to help us. Um, but we're just like here we go, you know. It's like it's unprecedented this time, and we're just going to stay focused on how lucky we are to have all the things we do have, and trust that like we can get through this, and it's going to be okay, and 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 it might even be wonderful and beautiful, and it might sure bring about you know, some circumstances that that we feel great about. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Electricity has always been synonymous with power. And in the BMW i4 M50, power is more refined than ever. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. Listen carefully and you'll make out the sound of over 500 horses stampeding at a whisper. Experience the rush of pure performance as BMW M-Engineered handling takes you through every twist and turn. And elevate each moment of your drive with a suite of cutting-edge technology, including a BMW Intelligent Personal Assistant that gets smarter with every interaction. I've started guidance. And the most advanced iDrive operating system yet for the most powerful vehicle of its kind. Introducing the BMW i4 M50. Silence has never said so much. BMW, 
the ultimate electric driving machine. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Have you been super into, like, how do you talk to Baz about becoming an older sibling? How do you plan on introducing him? Are you big into that? Or are you just sort of like, we'll trust our instincts and see how it goes? Or are you like, like, you have a whole thing you've got planned? Yeah, I was super anxious about it because I was definitely one of those moms who like, you know, held Baz and I'm like, I'm going to ruin your life by bringing another sibling. Meanwhile, I'm the youngest youngest of six children. Like, you know, I'm probably projecting a lot onto him of like, Mm -hmm. ugh. Like, um, now you're going to have to like fight for attention. Share my attention, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did rye classes with Baz. um, I did too. And we do um, parent-child classes at the Waldorf um, Steiner School. Oh, that's school. awesome. And we sort of, you know, off their recommendations and also one of our mutual friends, Angelique Cabral, who is like my go-to mama for everything. And also mm-hmm. she just had her second. So I was like, tell me everything. And, you know, her first was basically around Bazzi's age. So I'm just like, tell me everything. So he's so young, he can't really conceptualize it. So like burdening him too early on with the fact that like everything's gonna change and a baby's coming and and it's just stressful like, it's, just it's like stressful, stressful. And, yeah and they you know and the advice was like don't put that on them too soon you know and when the time starts to come which is around now like you can talk about it and you know trying to talk about it in ways that are that won't trigger like scariness you know just even you know angelique mentioned mm-hmm. 
the like, you know, not saying like, you're going to be a big brother and she's going to be your little sister and she's the baby and you're a big boy is like, just trying to imagine like, well, he's not even two. So like, he's a baby too. (laughs) Right. And he, and that might be scary to be like, get out of the baby seat, kid. Like baby's coming, you know, like just even stuff like that, that like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't want to make him feel like he's not little and small and and has these needs and and has the right to need me in these ways. So like small things like that um, are helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was the person who first told me like she brought her second home from the hospital and that's where they met. And I it had never even occurred to me. I mean, however anyone wants to do it is how they want to do it. But but because we're so conditioned in movies and stuff like that to be like, well, no, like the sibling comes to the hospital and that's where they meet the baby. And she was the first person to ever said to me like, well, he might be scared like to go to a hospital he's never been to before. Like, why don't you just bring the baby home and you can do it like in 11 when I was like, oh, my God, that's an option. Like, yeah. I just didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be our situation because he can't even come oh, visit us in the hospital. Come. So so which is like that decision was made for us. But yeah, just even the, you know, Angelique gave me such great advice. She was like what she did was spend time alone with her first you know, say, mommy's back, I missed you, and like read a book and have a little bit of time of just like mommy and and toddler. And and then she had her partner walk in, her husband walk in with the baby and put the baby in, in her toddler's arms so that it wasn't like, oh, mommy came home and she's holding the baby and now the baby's in her arms. Move over, now, kids. Like even just those psychological things of like, oh yeah, like let the introduction not be like, this is now mommy's new attachment. Like this is now mommy's new sidekick. So, you know, just small things like that. And who knows? I mean, her daughter seems to be adjusting really well. Yeah, she's great. She's doing great. So we'll see. I mean, I have all these nerves about it, but I've also had so many friends say like, you know, it's also really beautiful to see the kids together. It's a lot of times like the toddlers are really excited you know, and mm-hmm. so so I've been anticipating all the like stressful things, but I'm also you know trying to stay open that like that this will that he'll love it, you know, and that mm-hmm. he'll love the new baby and love love that he like has a role to play. I mean, I've started right. saying to him like I keep telling Angelique she has to like write a mommy book or something because I yeah, just text oh my her God. like every day. She's been on this podcast two times and <laughs> yes. is oh, coming back up for another one, yeah. like for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, she said. Uh, Oh, wait, now, uh oh, pregnancy brain. I lost my train. No, of she was giving you advice about, oh, empowering them to like give them a job or something. Oh, yeah, or... or just to say, like, you're older, so you know more things. So you get to teach the baby the things you know. You know, like, you know how right. to wash your hands. You get to teach the baby how to do that. You know how to put your toys away. You get to teach the baby how to do that. So just giving him like a role in, in the baby, in the baby's right. life and that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm sure there's going to be ups and downs. I What I love about Rye and what I love about Waldorf and that there's some intersections there is that there's just at the core of it, it just assumes like a deep respect for the child. That, that they're a little human being budding and growing, experiencing the world with all these big feelings and emotions. And that while it's easy as an adult to be like, because I said so, because mommy can't, because I like that there's that, that there's just that reminder to really acknowledge that that their feelings are like big and real and valid and and let them in on it. I mean, 
the amount and that he can he, take the lead too. Like yeah. I think he's going to be so like that's what I always loved about Rye stuff was like oh like I I think they don't know like I'm just like like they know like they you just know. sort of give them the space and you're like oh they already know that like you know what I mean and it's then, like, like he he's... blows my mind with how much he understands every day absolutely um can we talk about like sharing your Latinx culture with Baz and the baby do you have a lot of like rituals or traditions or how you do that in your household um yeah so you know I was raised in a Spanish-speaking home my parents were yes. immigrants um, but I was also like very Americanized, you know, I was number six. So all my siblings, so my older siblings, like who, who. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Like I can't, now having one and you're about to do like six. I mean, wow. I know, I know. I don't know. Wow. Like, I'm just like, what in the world? But my, like my older siblings, they spoke only Spanish until they went to school. Right. Mm. So they had that foundation. But by the time I came around, all my older siblings were speaking English. So so I just went like straight to English. I mean, I understood Spanish because my mother spoke Spanish, my father spoke Spanish, my aunt and, and grandparents, and like everyone spoke Spanish around me. So that was a big part of it. But but I was also like very, very American and English speaking from the get-go. So, you know, I struggle with ways just in my own life to 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 feel you know, connected to my my cultural roots and it's really important to me that Baz and baby two like feel that connection and I, and I almost am like overcompensating for right. for the connection that you know that that I didn't get I, it was really important to me that he be surrounded by people who speak Spanish my Spanish is okay but it's not like amazing so our nanny speaks to him in Spanish all day you know, we have so many friends who are in and out of the house, not right now, obviously, mm -hmm. who speak to him in Spanish all day. Like he uses a lot of Spanish words. He understands Spanish really well. Right. So the language and giving him the gift of like Ugh. the 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 gift of the language and hoping, really hoping, fingers crossed, that like that just always feels like a natural thing to him in a way that it mm -hmm. wasn't always for me, like is really important to me. And we blast uh, Latino music all the time. Like, Amazing. I mean, his favorite song that he asks for 25 times a day is J Balvin's Loco Contigo. And like, it's like literally any Latin beat that comes on, he starts moving. I'm like, oh, you've got it. In you. You're like a little <laughs> Latino brother. I love it. Um, my husband plays Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like the whitest, hickest soundtrack you can imagine. <laughs> I'm like, you are equal parts, both of these things. So you get to be both of them. But, um, you know, yeah, it is really important to me that he feels that cultural connection. But I think I think for me, my feeling of connection had so much to do with the people I knew and loved who were part of that culture. So surrounding him with people who represent that culture for him, whom he loves. Yeah, it's so going to gonna take care of itself. Translates yeah. into him loving his culture and and feeling deeply connected to that. But it is really important to me. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. 
because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Electricity has always been synonymous with power. And in the BMW i4 M50, power is more refined than ever. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. Listen carefully and you'll make out the sound of over 500 horses stampeding at a whisper. Experience the rush of pure performance as BMW M-engineered handling takes you through every twist and turn. And elevate each moment of your drive with a suite of cutting-edge technology, including a BMW Intelligent Personal Assistant that gets smarter with every interaction. I've started guidance. And the most advanced iDrive operating system yet for the most powerful vehicle of its kind. Introducing the BMW i4 M50. Silence has never said so much. BMW, the ultimate electric driving machine. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note are the chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. So 
So you just helped launch the dramedy Hentified on Netflix, and you're the executive producer. You've directed a number of episodes. I can't even believe like what you've been doing in this year, which is <laughs> the most insane year that I've ever lived. But um, please tell me what your work life – this is a huge topic on Katie's Crib always um, – your work-life balance as a mom and as – a director, actress, producer, activist. I mean, your list is very long. Clearly, you mentioned you have a nanny. You have a great village of, it sounds like, friends who are ahead of you in the mom department Mm -hmm. that you text and Mm -hmm. ask questions and ask for help. Um, Is it, was it a hard transition for you to go back to work? Do you love that you work? And you also, like, how do you feel about um, being a mom and working the crazy hours you do? I mean, I love working and I love being the person that I am out in the world and I love my work and I feel connected to it. And I can't imagine not having that, you know, there are certainly times where like, like I said, like last summer going away and being like for this amount of time, like that is not what I'm doing. Like I'm just here. I'm just with my family. I'm just, I I can certainly sink into times where, you know, I, I don't, feel the need to be constantly connected to that work, you know, outer world identity. But, you know, the totality of my life and my identity, like, has a lot to do with who I am in the world and the work I do and the work I care about. And it was a bit excruciating. I mean, not physically and logistically. To me, it was all mental and psychological. And I feel like I'm still kind of working through that. And I, from what I hear, like, it doesn't, necessarily ever go away the oh my god it hasn't for me yet. yeah and for me it was like I loved going I went back to work when Baz was like 10 weeks we went back to set I had a baby nurse with me he was there I was pumping but I was so hard on myself where like if I had a 10 minute turnaround on set I would run back to the trailer and like be with him play with him hold him and then run back to set and work and at the end of the day I was like I'm exhausted and I feel like I'm always failing and and you're you're doing sh- like at both you're just so you're yeah. like it's like you're not doing your best at either but one. I it's like, like you- I called all my friends who were moms and I'm just like what do I do and you know they they have given me such incredible advice and they're just like you got to be you got to take those 10 minutes and be by yourself you it's okay to you know Baz was 14 months, I think, before I let myself go back to working out because that was an, an hour. An hour that plus. you weren't with him or you weren't working on exactly. your passion project or whatever so it was. It and you were wasn't, like, exactly. It's like if I wasn't working because I had to be working, then I felt like I had to be with him. And, and if I wasn't, I felt guilty. Like I remember a moment where I went to go get my teeth cleaned at the dentist. I brought my baby nurse and Baz and I let her walk around the the block as I got my teeth cleaned at the dentist. And I sat in the chair feeling like if something happens to my baby while I'm getting my teeth cleaned, like uh, it's going to be all You're never going to forgive yourself. I'll yeah. never forget. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, I can't believe that I can't go and get my teeth cleaned at the dentist without feeling like I'm a terrible wasting mother time. or wasting yeah, like time. You're, yeah. and, and, and I think there was an awareness of like, this isn't sustainable. It's not fair to me. I also have the awareness that like mothers go back to work and spend the whole day away from their children because they have to, like my mom did. Right. And those right. kids turn out fine. So I need to totally. get my 
shit together. I got my shit under control. <laughs> I like I've been in therapy for like decades. Like I'm great with therapy. So I just to me it was just about not isolating myself. It was like I I I, I could and forgiving myself. It's like my body's full of hormones. I'm this new person. I've got a lot on my plate. Like I'm physically a new person. I'm hormonally, you know, new. Like I got to forgive myself for the crazy thoughts. I have to forgive myself for how tough I am on myself. I have to forgive myself for the irrationality and, and just not isolate. I just kept reaching out. I kept reaching out to my friends. I reached out to my therapist. That's so I, good. You're so conscious. You're so with, I mean, I feel like that in itself, like you said, therapy for years and really knowing to reach out and ask for help. I feel like that is where a lot of moms trip up is that they go so inward and they feel ashamed or embarrassed that they're not doing their best and they don't want anyone to know so they don't ask. Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah, because even if no one could give you a good answer, just like being able to say it out loud and have a friend who's a mom be like, yeah, that sucks. It's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not a terrible human being. Like, like yeah. I'm, it's like, it's okay that I feel guilty that I'm taking 10 extra minutes in the shower. It's okay that I want to take 10 minutes away from my baby. And it's okay that I feel guilty about it. Like, it's all okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's all okay. I remember someone, my friend came on the podcast, Troy Belisario, and she was the first person that was like, oh, no, like, you know, in the airplane where you, you put your mask on first? Yeah. And I was like... Oh, what? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, like if you like do the things that you need, like you're probably going to be better at all the stuff you want to do. Totally. And I was like, oh, right. And, you know, <laughs> right. I like because I think my husband is much better at putting his own mask on, which creates a lot of resentment because you're like, well, why don't you feel the constant guilt I feel? Why don't you like how dare you take a shower before, you know, cleaning the babies. We butt. had the exact yeah. same thing with my husband and I. We both, we had our son. He was seven months old. We made our Broadway debuts together in Waitress the Musical. And this is the exact example. During two show days, I would, I made the apartment so that it was close by the theater. I would run home between two mm -hmm. shows, three hours days, breastfeed, be with him for three hours, give him his dinner, put his bath, do his bottle, get him down, and then rush back for my half hour call. And your husband? Adam would say, stay at the theater, <laughs> take a nap, have lunch, maybe stop by, do some like crunches or whatever, like to get himself warmed up, like chill the fuck out so that he could perform like crazy at night. I, I was know. like, that's not good parenting. Like, yes. you're not seeing our kid. Like, and he was like, I don't, I'm committed to my job today. Like, I will kick ass on Monday when I'm yeah. off. Like, I'm going to be a kick ass dad on Monday. But like, I and I was like, you're a dick. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, there was a lot of judgment and a lot of resentment going on um, of just like, you're not as committed. You don't care as much. And I mean, I think a lot of things contribute to it. I'm no biologist or social scientist, but, you know, clearly the physical experience that new moms have or the, the physical experience I had as a new mom that attached me to my child and like makes my heart race when he cries in a way that it doesn't make Ryan's heart race is like, it's biological. And there, there yeah, that is, is a real thing. The, you know, there's a, there, the, so acknowledging just that like, okay, biologically we're having different experiences of becoming parents. And so that, that means different things. And, and it took me a while to like let go of the anger and the resentment that he was better at taking care of himself in this transition and then just take his cues and be like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Like, I should go, like, 
get my nails done once a month and like not feel bad about it, you know, or go work out because I, because that does make me feel better. That does make me feel more connected to myself that like when I did finally go back to working out, my commitment to the working out had nothing to do with my body and had everything to do with, I will give myself this one hour a day. And that's what it was about. And it was like, and, you know, really it was two hours a day because it took me half an hour to get to my train, (laughs) half an hour to get back. Yeah. Did you struggle with body image stuff at all? Like I'm, you and I both share this too. You were on television at, well, and you way more than me, but you're far more in the public eye than I am being pregnant the first time and the second time. Did you struggle with that at all? Did you embrace it? Did you? You know, I've struggled with body image my whole life. And I feel like I've gotten to such a place of like, fuck that shit. <laughs> like what a waste of time and energy and like fuck the patriarchy and fuck what my body's <laughs> supposed to look like. And also fuck you even more when I just brought life into the world. And yeah, then my body you. is supposed to look like something like fuck all of it. And I was so in that place that like post baby, I didn't really struggle with it because I was just like, I fucking dare somebody to tell me to lose weight. I will like gouge your I will out. punch you in the fucking and face. I will yeah. like, go like... eat 10 donuts to spite you. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like I'm yeah. breastfeeding. I like, you know, you're wearing diapers. You're like, I'm, I'm figuring out who I am and I'm a mother, yeah. which is one of the most wonderful experiences. So so when you went back to working out, finally, it was more about the mental oh, space of giving totally. yourself the time to totally. get and back into your body, connect to yourself, like feel the endorphins that you get. Totally. And like when I got pregnant with Baz, I was training for my third triathlon. Like I had gotten into this like best shape of my life. Again, not for body reasons. Uh I wrote an article about it for the New York Times called My First Triathlon, actually. But it was, like, really, like, kind of a soul evolution to, like, do something that I never really identified myself as somebody who could do that. Yeah, the triathlon is the one where you swim in the ocean, right? Yeah, where you swim. Yeah, that's when, that's so hard. I <laughs> where you swim a mile in the ocean and then, like, no bike ride 25 miles and then you run a no! 10K. Um, and it oh was, you know, I'd spent, like, a year and a half kind of in that kind of mentality and mindset of like, it felt so good to be this connected to my strength and to my health and to feel like, you know, there was nothing I couldn't do if I wanted to do it. And and so it had been a long time since I, I mean, I felt connected to my body through my pregnancy and even through postpartum, I felt I was very kind to myself. I gave myself that space and time. And then I, when I realized I'm like, again, more than anything of like, I need to start learning how to do things for me and give myself time. The hour working out was more about the hour giving myself time than it was about my body. But of course, I got stronger and felt great about how I was looking and feeling. And, um, and then I got pregnant again. <laughs> so, and, and But you know, in a way, I'm like, great, I don't want to go back to like getting a triathlon body and then getting pregnant again. You know, and but this time I was like, okay, this time, I'm going to work out through my whole pregnancy, even if it's just a little bit, I'm going to work out, I'm going to feel strong. And then the placenta thing happened. And the doctors were like, you they can't were like, guess out. what? And you no, know, that's the thing is like, I feel like there's an older version of myself, who would have felt like that I that that it was this deeper part of 
myself, if something in my plan wasn't going to go my way, that I couldn't be pregnant and, and stay fit the whole time that I, that I, you know, couldn't be pregnant and have the doctor that I needed or thought I needed. Like five years ago or 10 years ago, America going through this moment would have been a really different story, you know, where Mm -hmm. you, where you attach to these notions and these plans that you have as if you're only capable of doing the thing you need to do because you have these other things that are Mm. making you capable. And I feel like it's been a journey of letting go of that attachment and realizing like, no, I'm capable because I'm capable. And these things help me feel more prepared, more connected, but without all of those things, I still have everything I need. I still can do it. To be yeah. And do what I need to be and do. And I'm enough. Yep. And it really like th- that's a place that I've had to work really, really hard to get to. There's one last thing I want to talk to you about that you are a very politically active person. And I want to know how being a mom has shifted at all your view of politics. What good Lord, as if 2020 hasn't been insane, we're going into election time. And how do you plan on going through that being a mom? Like I'm, you know, I wasn't a mom the last time around. And I'm thankful, actually, that I wasn't because I, I, I just was an emotional wreck. And I don't know I just I don't think I have that option this time around, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think I I really have I've never felt between pandemic and election season and, you know, having a two and a half year old during this administration, I've never had to, like, call so much on not letting those things affect Mm -hmm. my mothering. Mm -hmm. I might be different if my kid was older, to be honest. It probably would be. Um, But how do you feel about those? things? Yeah, I think it's it's really it's really challenging and in in ways contradictory because you have a child that heightens your sensitivity to everything happening in the world so much more, but it also calls for all your energy and time and attention. And, you know, even in the midst of big, crazy things happening that can feel overwhelming, you have to find a centeredness and a calmness to be present with your child and to give them the experience of you and and of the world that you want them to have. Like, I don't want Baz at two years old to feel all the anxiety of this moment. He doesn't need that. What is he going to do with that? And he doesn't need to feel it in me and he doesn't need to feel it through me. So, you know, in a way, the child forces you to find perspective and grounding and not get lost in the throes of, you know, the hellfire that's happening. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the stakes are higher because you're like, this is the world that I'm putting my children into. Um, You know, after I had Baz, it was like right at the time, summer 2018, when all of those images of like the children in cages were Mm. emerging. And, you know, I sat there and like sobbed and felt all these emotions and, and, you know, got on a train and went to DC and, and marched, you know, I had a three, four week old child at home and like still felt compelled to get on that train and go to DC and march with people and rally. And, and, you know, it was a relief to feel that passion, to be like, okay, I'm not all of a sudden, I'm not going to become a mom and all of a sudden not care about the things I care about. But it was also a moment where I had to realize, like, 
I can't be all things to everything and everyone all the time. And that's narcissism and my own stuff that I have to deal with and say, the world isn't going to end if I have to sit this out. The world, you know, the work isn't not going to get done because America's not there. It's like, it's like, in a way, your world gets bigger and your world gets smaller at the same time. And learning to navigate, like, where can I put my resources to make an impact and a difference in the world? And where are the times where it's like, actually, my resources have to go to my child and to my family and to what's right in front of me right now. And that has to be enough. And I don't need to be driven by a hero complex that that tells me that like the world's going to fall apart if I'm not out there marching. So, right. you know, it, it's, it's a balance and, and, um, and, and I, and I imagine it's one that will just keep changing. I, you know, I, I'm kind of excited for the time, or I don't know if excited is the right word, but you know, I'm interested in the time where my children have an awareness of the world. And that has to be a totally different kind of discussion of like, who they're going to be and and who we're going to be together in the world and being able to do things and explain to them why those things are important, why those things matter, why we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. So yeah, I've definitely, especially like, like in this moment, you know, I have felt a real sense of helplessness because part of what we're being told to do is like isolate and quarantine. And that's, that's the best way to help, you know, and yet, you see, images. I know it's so anti what I do, <laughs> yeah. and you too. It's like we're so active, and I'm so like hands on, and I'm so like want to race to the fire. And it's like, you know, no, 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 that's actually not what you're being asked to do right it's now. It's not you're what you're like, being what? asked to do right now. And also, it's like, it's that, it's that struggle that I deal with sometimes where I'm like, I actually in this moment don't feel the urge to race to the front line and help. I actually feel a deep internal call to rest and be with my child or be with this pregnancy and like and then dealing with the guilt of that of like oh what does that mean about me that 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 you know my activist self isn't like firing on all cylinders right now and running out to 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 the front lines like that to me is a I think that's a struggle that anybody who kind of has an activist spirit and a and a want to be out in the world making things better struggles with. I think when you're a mom, it or a parent, it intensifies because you only have so much to give and you only have so much energy and resources and focus. And I have just had to learn to go easy on myself and to know that like my just because in one moment this aspect of my identity is resting and this aspect is calling me to it and then vice versa it doesn't mean i've lost something it means that in this moment this is what is needed of me and i can trust that and i can trust myself and i can trust that i'm not going to lose myself by allowing myself to go to what is calling me at this time and that's that's a, that can be a struggle sometimes fraught with like a lot of guilt and doubt and uncertainty that that I just have to keep on working on letting that extra baggage go. Mm-hmm. Um, this is oh god, I'm so, uh, I'm so I could talk to you for a hundred hours. Is there any last parting words? This one's always the worst. I'm like, why do we ask this? Because I hate when this has to be, but. <laughs> I, cause I'm, uh, I just, I think it's hard to pick one thing 
But is there any one thing you would give moms of advice or a mantra or something that has worked for you or or anything you want to say to mothers out there right now? It doesn't have to be advice. I would just say that that you're doing great. <laughs> that you're doing great <laughs> and that nothing that happens in this moment most likely is going to scar or ruin your children <laughs> or ruin your relationship to them. You know, give yourself a break and and allow yourself to feel whatever's coming up without judging it and know that that you're doing great and you're going to be fine and your kids are going to be fine as long as you're healthy and you have all the basics that you need like mm -hmm. the small decisions that you're making from moment to moment about how long they get to be on a screen or how you know have they had enough yeah. school stimulation have they played enough yeah. have they eaten healthy enough like I always just go back to my childhood and think like, my mom was in survival mode all the time. I was one of- Was she, she's a single mom? Single, or was your dad? Single mom raising six children. Oh At my work God, constantly sorry. trying to provide and feed for feed us. Like we grew up kind of in a madhouse and, mm -hmm. and I survived and we survived. And like kids are strong and resilient and they'll get through it. And, and- I would just say that you're that that you're doing great and you have you have everything you need to get through this and just give yourself a little bit of give yourself a little bit of slack and allow whatever emotions and feelings are coming up to come up. Yeah, and just extend the kindness to yourself that that you would to to your children or to your best friend, you know. Oh my gosh. Hallelujah. I need to take that for my advice. I'm sitting here like, I got to teach my husband how to give a low back massage. I'm like, oh God, there's nowhere to go. I just, it's so weird. I've, I've like in this quarantine, I'm like, I just want to be touched by a stranger. I want to pay a masseuse <laughs> I know. to rub my I body know. like very badly. I really understand um, that. Like, oh. This was so wonderful, America. I can't thank you for taking like an hour of your time when you are so close to meeting your next child. And it was so helpful and so inspiring. And oh, it's just very needed. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I know nothing. Like, what do I know? I know nothing. All I know is like my experience. Um, and I'm happy to be as honest and open about it as possible if it makes other people feel more connected and more seen and you know, that's the thing is like, we don't have to have the same experiences to just be able to see each other and witness and say, yep, yep, yes, I see that and I feel that and, and it's all okay and it's all good. You know, we deserve that and, um, you know, it's nice to connect. It's nice to talk to moms who, you know, are, are experiencing so many of these internal journeys and and it's so sad that anyone ever feels like they have to go through those by themselves. Like they just don't. We don't have to do it alone. Yep. That's the whole Katie's Crib thing. It's like we have moms on here and every single time anyone says any story and they can be small, they can be huge, they can be dramatic, they can be completely uneventful. And yet it's just being able to sit and be like, oh, like I felt that way. Like I totally felt that way. Or... I just, I've been feeling like shit and that made me laugh or 
that gave me the reason to say, hey, if America Ferrera says I can just chill for a second, not be so hard on myself, like, God, like, yay. <laughs> that's like, that's the whole thing. Um, so thank you so thank much. You. I really appreciate it. I wish you the best journey, most beautiful birth experience and bringing your child home and expansion of your already beautiful and glowing family. I'm happy to share. I'm happy to update how it goes. And I really am thinking about all the moms out there who who are, are birthing and delivering in this time um, in all the different ways. And, you know, I just think women are amazing and, and women and moms and their bodies are a miracle. And just the fact that, like, we don't have a choice. You have to kind of put your big girl pants on and get through it. And like, that doesn't make it any less powerful and a miracle and amazing. And like all of them, all of the pregnant mamas out there right now, like I feel you, it's a lot, but you got this, you got it. <laughs> Thank you, America. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And if you love hearing from phenomenal guests like America Ferreira, be sure to share Katie's crib with your crew and show us some love by rating and subscribing. And if you're itching for more exclusive content, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Katie's Crib. Until next week. Katie's Crib is a production of iHeartRadio and Shondaland Audio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Oh, 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 oh,